This contest is scheduled for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the ring at this time, to my right, from New York City, weighing 239 pounds, the unpredictable Johnny Rod. And his opponent... North Carolina, weighing 280 pounds, the Junkyard Dog. <laughs> yes, sir. Super Dog on his way to the ring. And look at what he does to this capacity crowd. Every individual here standing on their feet. Look at this. This is what he does, Vince, every time. He really knows how to excite that crowd, and they really love this man. And I'll tell you, he is something. He is loved by his, by his audience and feared by his opponent. And justifiably feared. Whoa, yes, son, it's all. He does have it. to a very special world cast it's gonna be johnny sorrow's birthday bash and a great ran arrest perspective on the career of the of the of the uh, what anniversary is it on his passing kelly do you remember oh yeah it was just a couple of days ago uh, june the 2nd uh, 1998 so 22 years believe it or not so the 22nd oh. year yeah we're gonna be respective uh 22 years loved when last time JYD was on this earth, and we're doing a retrospective on JYD, the junkyard dog. Uh, I'm Pete, and I'm with Kelly and Johnny. Kelly, how you doing, man? Doing great, brother. Happy 50th birthday to our other brother, Johnny Sorrow. That's right, man. Thank you. Big 5 Holy shit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Holy it's shit. It's something. That's biblical, buddy. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, as as we're as we're speaking tomorrow is my birthday, uh, and uh, fifty. Yeah, and boy, I didn't know that this was also the anniversary of of JYD's death because I wanted to get this out of the way <laughs> in the most tasteful way possible. But uh, to peel back the curtain, uh, the three of us were chatting a couple of weeks ago before all the terrible turmoil going on and bullshit from. The people in power. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, we said we should do a thing about Junkyard Dog because he just arrived in for a little stint in world uh, world class. And we got to talking and we got you know, we could do a bit of a deep dive about aspects of his career. And we're like, we, we should do that. And my birthday comes along, like, we should do a birthday show. Hey, let's do that JYD thing. And then the world blew up. And we're like, should we still do JYD? And I was like, I think it's more important now than ever we do JYD on this show, but I wasn't even aware that it's also the anniversary of his death. So this was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll get right into it, man. You know, let's, let's go around. Like for me, my first, uh, of my first taste of the dog, if you will, would be 
gosh, I guess when I was I was in I was gosh, I, I my family had just moved from St. Louis in either late '82 or early '83. Because uh, right when the St. Louis Cardinals, we I were there for them win the World Series. We moved pretty much right after that. So I want to say it was like in '83 was when I got to Houston, and that's when I got that's when I started getting Mid South Television and Paul Bosch Wrestling, and I was immediately enamored with Junkyard Dog. Um, he, I didn't really see him down. I never really saw him when I was in St. Louis. He was never really at the wrestling at the Chase. He wasn't that style that Sam Munchnik would book, uh, even though he would book like, you know, the crusher and stuff and Dick the bruiser. Uh, but it just, it just, it never, it never, we never really got, uh, the dog there. And yeah, he got some run, a little runs in, in world-class, but again, I was pretty much gone before or, or pretty much maybe corresponding with him, him doing his dates there. So the first taste I got of him was usually I'm pretty pretty sure it probably was Paul Bosch Television or or an episode of Mid South in uh, in '83, um, and he instantly uh, caught my attention. He was just really cool because he had the chain. And the thing that stood out for me the most, and I, it's a talking point you don't really hear, uh, is his voice was such a unique voice mm-hmm. when he was cutting a promo and I was instantly just drawn to it. Um, and it's really not something that people talk about on, on one of the characteristics on why he got over, but his voice was really, really unique and stood out in a, in a unique way on, on his promos and, and stuff that, that, you know, really, really captured his spirit in a way. Uh, what about you, Kelly? What was your first time mm-hmm. you uh, saw the dog or or recognized the dog? Or I'm sure it was pretty late in his career, if, if at all. Or was it just on tape? Yeah, unfor- yeah, unfortunately it was, well, it was 1986, but it was, yeah, on the, he was on the, the back nine of his career. Basically, I think that would, would be like the beginning of the, the decline in 1986. When I go back years later and watch footage from there there's a definite difference and we're going to look at a match from 1986 tonight and there's a definite difference between 86 JYD and 1983 JYD it's it's actually and then it gets yeah more and more but he yeah he was super popular we've talked about this yeah he was basically in 1986 when I got into wrestling he was number two behind Hogan and was feuding I think it was just the tail end of his feud with the funks kind of and then I remember him, of course, he feuded with uh, Harley Race leading up to WrestleMania three. That was basically my first, you know, uh, JYD feud that I could follow on TV. And, and that's then pretty much his that's kind of, of looked at as often in a way. Because after yeah. that, when he, uh, yeah, because he loses. Yeah. 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 He loses to Race at, at Mania three. And then after that, he kind of, he's there until. The end of '88, but he doesn't got fired do right before Survivor Series because he so, was uh, yeah. he was. I remember this as a kid because he was announced for the Survivor Series kid, uh, team, but the night of the Survivor Series, or maybe it was a week or two out, he was not part of that team anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they let go a bunch of guys at the same time. Him, Morocco, Ken Patera, British Bulldogs. It was a big sort of. Uh, uh, they just yeah. 
cut a bunch of dudes. Yeah, but, but a lot of those guys were, still worked the Survivor Series. JYD did not in 88. Right. Yeah, that's right. What about oh. you, John? What are your I was going to say he had his issues, but I don't know, I'm not going to focus on that just too much yet. Yeah. Uh, I first of all, now I just wish that I had worked on a junkyard dog uh, imitation uh, because you're absolutely right. God, let's see if I can take a <laughs> take a stab at it. Uh, where junkyard junk? I know and stuff. No, I can't. I shouldn't do that. It's <laughs> terrible. Terrible idea. But you're right. That wasn't bad. It was. It was the, yeah, it was the echo. <laughs> it was the echo in his larynx. If you know what I mean. He had his voice had a unique deepness and rhythm to it. That uh, it sounded unique. It didn't sound like very Wolfman Jack ass. Yes, it's a very exactly a Wolfman Jack sort of thing. Uh, and he he, he was, sounded great. You know, he he could cut a great promo. You know, at, at times. You know, WWF a lot of stuff happening. He's like, yep, making a lot of money and you know eating a lot of food and and just doing the, these you know simple bits. They're silly in '86 WWF, but I've heard him do some fired up promos from the other territories. But the first time I saw Junkyard Dog was in WWF. Uh, he arrived right at the same time I had just started being like, this is what I watch every week, you know? So I remember him being this new guy who I thought, like, this guy's fucking cool. You know, he comes out to, they, they, you still hear the music then, so it was another one bites the dust. And, uh, and I just thought that he was jacked and he was charismatic and I thought he had a chain and looked fucking cool. And he, he was immediately helping Jimmy Snuka fight Piper and shit. And I'm like, fuck yeah, this guy's, this guy's the shit. And I really loved the junkyard dog from, uh, from then on, you know, even I like, I, I could see the difference as he was at the back nine, as you say, uh, Kelly, but uh, like when he lost to race at WrestleMania three, I remember being really, like kind of pissed off at, and at the same time going, huh? What? What what that's weird. Like he just it shouldn't junkyard dog be winning this at the big the big show. And then he had to bow to him and he does yeah. like kind of a mm-hmm. bow and then beats up Harley Race and and steals his crown. But I, I always thought that was like it was deflating. I was like, huh? Like a lot of good guys a lot of good guys lost on that show. <laughs> Jake lost yeah, to Honky Tonk, right. man. Yeah. But yeah, I've been a fan ever since. Yeah, and you know what? In the cartoon for the WWF, I thought helped him a lot. Uh, and maybe it was me because he was my favorite character because of my history with watching uh, Mid-South and, and Paul Boss Wrestling. He was my favorite character in the uh, in the old uh, uh, Rock and Sockham, whatever you call it. What was it called? Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Rock and Wrestling. Yeah. He was yeah, my but, favorite character. Yeah. I, you know, um, I didn't watch it because I was at this point. Was that eighty six when that was on? Man, yeah, I was, I was thinking yeah. eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I was fifteen or sixteen years old. And I was like, I'm yeah. not watching this. But I could see if you're a bit younger, <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, this yeah. Is- I think I was like eleven. Uh, oh, 11, so. sure. No, eleven. That's great. That's, yeah. that's perfect for an eleven year old. I just remember seeing it, going, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and then right. Trying to watch it and going. This is terrible, and, and, and never watch it again because it just not at the right age. I was part of that the teen the teens that just suddenly became hardcore wrestling fans in the eighties. Boom. Yeah, and let's look at it from nineteen eighty to eighty four. He was a headliner in Mid South, um, 
And let's look at some of his contemporaries. I mean, you look at world class. I think who who have been the headliners in world class? David Von Erich and Fritz. I was about to say the Von Erichs. And the Von Erichs over at, at uh, Mid Atlantic. He probably had uh, Flair and Piper and uh, Steamboat. Steamboat. Yeah, over in Portland, he had Buddy Rose. Um, oh. Over in uh, uh, WWF, he had Backlund for the most part. Oh, in 80, what, in 84? 80 to 84. Oh, 82, 84, I see. Yeah. yeah, from 80 to 84. Okay, I see. So, you know, so you had Backlund and then Hogan coming in on the tail end of that uh, or halfway in or whatever like, you want to Piper, say. And Piper leaving and one Piper. To, to go to the other. I'm Piper, and then yeah. where he looked. Look and Jimmy Snooker was huge. Snooker was hot. Um, who else? Yeah, are you looking at? Um, but who? Yeah, but but who who was headlining a major territory? Who was the one guy in each of those who was headlining a major territory? And because JYD wasn't sharing it with anyone there for quite some time with no, lots towards it towards '84 he started to, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and 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 you guys, and what's the other thing that makes him stand out is he's black. He's an African American. Uh, yeah, none of these other territories had that, did they? No, no, of course not. No, it's, I, I was just listening to uh, Jim Ross's podcast today. Who, by the way, uh, tip of the hat to Jim Ross, who, in his own, you know, grumpy. Uh, you know, messed up kind of way, but you know he has good intentions. Was very pro Black Lives Matter today on his podcast, and was then led into stories about you know the other um, promoters calling Watts and telling him he's going to kill the wrestling business by having an Af- a, a black baby face and a black booker, and he told him to go fuck themselves. You know, and so yeah, he was the only, junkyard dog was the only. African American guy. Yeah, another another headliner in the AWA. You had uh, Nick Bockwinkle. Bockwinkle, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he stood out. Now, I, I will admit, if you're going for a work rate compared to all the names we listed, the dog was probably the worst of the bunch. But he really he was a capable worker, and but it also shows the brilliance of Bill Watts being able to book him so long and write him so long and hide a lot of the flaws, which shows you what a good booker it was, which is what's Watson and his team of being able to hide some of the limitations of the dog. I mean, that's pretty impressive. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, it was, it was a different era where of course work rate didn't matter to the, the majority of the people that were paying to see, uh, to go to the shows True. So, but he was, I mean, JYD just had so much charisma and he became a man of the people. He became a hero for the black community in like Watts' territory was, you know, all the Southern states, heavy black population, and especially New Orleans. Uh, the book, there's a basically a biography of, of Junkyard Dog and it's it's entitled King of New Orleans. Yeah. So that shows you... His importance, it, it transcended, he transcended wrestling. And they did a vote at the time in New Orleans, like who was the most popular sports star and JYD won easily. Not that there was, I guess, a lot of competition, but I guess there was Pistol Pete Maravich and Archie Manning 
had um, yeah. his moments yeah. with the Saints. But JYD won that poll like in a runaway. So he just had transcendent popularity, like a Bruno connection with the people. And, and all, and but all Bruno was a better people. worker. And all the people. Yeah. Though, yeah. To, to draw that much money and to, to be, get that uh, voting award, voting award, just a Marvel Mouth dummy, uh, that transcends everything. That's, that's, how, that's how important he was to all the people. You know, he had a connection with everybody. And uh, that's what made him so special. True. And also, though, but yeah. also you got to put Watts and this guys about how, how they booked him. I mean, they made they booked him oh, in a of lot course. of tag feuds and was able, you know, uh, he was the guy mm-hmm. who did the, did the shine. He wasn't the one selling. Uh, you better not, no, let, let's not use that term uh, during this. Episode. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Baby face, you know. <laughs> okay, just, I know you. <laughs> Horrible, Johnny. Um, uh, happy 50th. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and so you, you do them there. You put them in, in, in with good, against good workers. I remember that first, uh, I remember hearing a Watts interview where uh, Bernie Ladd was saying, yeah, the dog doesn't have it. Uh, we went 20 minutes with Super Destroyer, and yeah, he just doesn't have it. And Watts says, well, you're fired. And tell super dummy he's fired. Buying <laughs> headliner doesn't need to go twenty minutes to a draw, uh, and you know. And, said, uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, did he just say call him super dummy? Yeah, he did. In the, in the quote, yeah. Um, I, I loved it, uh, and you know, Watts would use quote uh, would be using on commentary. Junkyard dog isn't here. Uh, he's, he doesn't get paid paid by the hour. You know, to get yeah. over his quick squashes, and and people are happy, you know, because he had that yeah. charisma. They're just hoping to see the big thump at the end. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the big blinding angle. Um, yeah, huge, huge angle. Yeah, that really took him to the next level, I think, in mid south. And then another thing was that he was chasing the North American title for I think almost three years before he won it. That's oh, something yeah. that doesn't get talked about a lot. Yeah. Is that he was he was always chasing, and so that's always well, you know, that's often the saying is you know that money's in the chase, and it definitely yeah. was in the case of JYD because I think you can see after he did win the North American title and the chase was over, the crowds that was kind of the beginning of the declining crowds. Yeah, that's true. So, so really, the- so, I'm sorry. So also, really, with not including uh, the chase part, he's kind of like Hogan in a way there, you know, as the, their top guy who is booked, r- r- well, not the greatest yeah. worker, it doesn't fucking matter because he's, you know, the person everybody loves, it, except Hogan immediately won the belt and was a champion, and JYD's greatest successes were during the chase. Yeah. Then. So, okay, yeah, but there's a similarity. And they used JYD a lot in the tag title. I mean, even like in the blinding angle, he was his partner was a really good worker by the name of Buck Robley, uh, who's also the booker. Uh, at the time, and uh, but they do huge business with the JYD book, Rob Buck Robley versus the Freebirds, and that was the feud that established the Freebirds guy established as, as a draw along with JYD, and they even recreate to recreate the angle in Georgia. Uh, uh, it's just it's just fascinating to watch the dog uh, because he was so unique compared to all the other draws, and he was like you know he kind of he, he, he was you know they did the what is it? Kind of like they 
I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's to me, it's the most fa- it's one of the really most fascinating stories in wrestling is they had the dog becomes this huge draw and no one ever would have seen it coming when, you know, if you look, especially when we talk about it, one of his early matches in, in Stampede uh, and it, where he was actually a heel. Yeah, it was so weird. It was so weird. It was so weird watching. Yeah, that. and stuff. Anything else you guys want to talk about the dog on opening? Uh, just I'm still laughing at Super Dummy. I can still. <laughs> That's yeah, it was either it's a quote I heard him or it was in his book. It was one of the two. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've heard in a long, long time. And but you can tell here Watts calling Destroyer Super Dummy. I, I know because I'm so familiar with what Bill Watts sounds like. Yeah. And it's making me. I still can't stop laughing. It's the funny. <laughs> Kelly, anything else? <laughs> No, no, let's get into the... All right, man. Well, the first one is going to be from Stampede, which is... Uh, what is what is JYD's actual name here? Big Daddy Ritter? Big Daddy. Big Daddy Ritter, yeah. Okay. Versus Jake Roberts. Uh, Johnny, why don't you talk about this first? All right. So this was... This was so strange. I was glad, I was glad you included this, and as soon as... As soon as I turned it on, I was like, of course he included this stampede fucking nerd. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm podcasting. No, it's for historical purposes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, see, I'm podcasting with two of them now, Pete. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I was actually very happy because I'd never seen this. I think I've, I've never seen this. I've, I think I've seen maybe a clip or two. Of him, there's a ladder match between the two of them that's out there. Okay, yeah, but yeah, it's on the network. But I had no memory of him being a heel, even though I was like, "Oh, right, was he was a heel? Yeah, heel." Is this? Yeah, the story here, uh, John, is that he was actually working out in. I want to say JYD was working in Germany or England, Uh and one of the hard two of the Hart brothers were out there on tour. Uh, joined the tour and they were there firing firing JYD in the middle of the tour because he's this according to Melter, uh, because he was such a terrible wrestler, uh, which was unheard of because no one got fired on these tours because most of the wrestlers were terrible. But uh, JYD, I guess, took mm. the cake. But they had a uh, spot. You, you gotta up. grab. You gotta grab them cakes. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> Woo. All right. And there was a spot in Stampede with John Foley as the manager, <laughs> who was managing yeah. a uh, uh, Kamala before Kamala gimmick. A guy who was working a Kamala version of a Kamala gimmick before the Kamala gimmick became uh-huh. invoked. And Casa Vubu, I think his name. That's was. it. That's something <laughs> like it. Yeah. Oh, but he wasn't he wasn't like a full-on savage he was he was just i don't know kind of like half savage maybe and here big daddy ritter is more like uh shaft in a way right yeah well yeah just the black pimp you know it's yeah. a total negative stereotype of course but that i mean calgary um they weren't shy to book gimmicks like that and racist gimmicks no. in calgary for years well, wait, oh, so wait a minute. So uh, Big Daddy Ritter just wasn't like a cool name for a tough guy. He was, he had a persona. I was yeah. Well, it was, it was like implied that, you know, and he, I think they even had him with women on each yeah. arm, the sort of deal, cutting promos with like a fur coat on. 
And so, yeah, really, so, yeah, 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 he had a, it was a persona, I guess. So, so, okay. So basically, uh, Godfather ripped him off. <laughs> he, he took yeah, him off the maybe. gimmick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh boy. But they call him the, who, who is this Ed Whalen? Yes. Yes. Okay, I didn't mind him all that much here. I think he's just—he was fine. We only got over three minutes, John. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to look in the middle of this tribute to the Junkyard Dog and these troubled times. I don't want to spark up this uh, any more Ed Whalen uh, ang- uh, uh, fights between the two of you. I was just saying, <laughs> I was just saying that I didn't mind him that much here. You know, I haven't really heard a lot to be perfectly honest with you. I, it's, I'm, I have. Almost no exposure to Ed Whalen, just you know, legend. And so I thought this was, he was fine here. He calls him. Uh, he call he calls a uh, Ritter. I think the Louis or was it Jake Roberts? The Louisiana locomotive. Jake. Yeah, yeah. Jake. Roberts was the Roberts. Yeah, yeah he goes, the Louisiana locomotive. Jake Roberts and I was kind of like I, I like that. That's not bad. And I'm like, holy shit, this is, it, it's so weird because JYD's the heel and Roberts is the fired up young baby face. And it's like, I mean, the Star Trek mirror universe of my youth. <laughs> going, oh, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and you know, he's got a loaded glove, but his junkyard dog's tights are weird because they're like very, very yeah. light tan. So they almost look like pantyhose with with his dark <laughs> with his dark underwear over him like a superhero, and it's just it's weird looking, you know. It's a t- terrible combination because then he eventually goes on to have some of my favorite gear of all time. Uh, and the match, what we saw here was just fine, and I like the 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 deal where he's got the loaded glove, and he goes to hit Jake Roberts, and Jake blocks it with his wrists. And sells that his wrists hurt, and that and he falls out. So he isn't knocked out, but his wrists hurt. And I was like, "Oh, that was kind of cool. I like that. That was neat." So yeah, this was fun from what from what I'm looking at because I was it's like I never I never I think of the junkyard dog as a heel. It just doesn't occur to me. What about you, uh, Kelly? What do you think of the match? Well, yeah, I mean, if if you didn't have me on the podcast, or if I wasn't from Calgary, I guess we probably wouldn't watch this. But I don't know. I mean, I wanted I don't to know, look no. at I I, this was, his like, yeah, was early years, yeah, and 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 his only heel run. Yeah. And unfortunately, there just I, there isn't much on YouTube of of Ritter from Stampede. But I do have um, like I'll put a link to this for you guys, and I'll, maybe in the show notes. The, the six episodes of Stampede that were on the network briefly, you may remember, remember this from like five oh, yeah. years ago, I think it was. Yeah, I yeah. and Yeah, and that, all the episodes they put on the network were from the time when JYD was the top heel in Stampede. So you get to see a lot of JYD and JYD cutting promos and in bloody matches. And it's, there's a lot of really good stuff. And the quality of the tapes are awesome. It's the master footage. So it's just crystal clear. Uh, I'll definitely include that. But yeah, I looked around. This was the only one I could find on YouTube. And I didn't know that it was going to just cut off at the end, which sucks. But that's, uh, I don't know if that was a stampede choice or if that was the uploader's choice or whatever. But 
Yeah, this a little bit of backstory for the match. This was July 6, 1979. And Waylon mentions the winner is going to face Harley Race for the NWA title. Right, right. And that that every year during the Calgary Stampede, which was which is the, the big uh, fair and exhibition in Calgary, it's always in the first uh, couple weeks of July. And the NWA champion would always come in for that for most years for, for quite a long time. So that was what this was setting up. And Roberts wins this match. We didn't see it, but Roberts wins. And he challenged race for the NWA title. Um, a little bit on Roberts. He, like, he was actually super over as a face in Calgary and also in Vancouver in 1978. He did really well in Western Canada. It was sort of where he first blossomed as a star. And, um, and uh, yeah, like I said, did really well. And yeah, there's not much to say that about this. Johnny already went over it and both guys would be gone by August. So they were almost done in the territory. And, th- and this is of course the direct line for um, Ritter to go to Mid-South yep. because Roberts was going to Mid-South and had been there and his father was Grizzly Smith and was uh, uh, involved in, in Put the uh, word in promotion. for the NYD. Yeah, so they both basically went there at the same time in August 79. And JYD was actually a heel in um, Mid-South at first for a few months. Yeah. I don't know know the exact um, circumstances about the face turn there, but he definitely was a heel at first. Yeah, the, uh, the original concept of JYD was based off of Fred Sanford, where he was a wrestler who owned a junkyard. And he'd come mm, to the ring. See, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and he'd come to the ring with with a with like a, a, a what what do you call those things? Uh wheelbarrow. And he <laughs> yeah, yeah. did he pinned his opponent and throw the opponent in the wheel, wheelbarrow <laughs> and bring it back out and it got so much over. It got way more over than they were expecting. They made him a baby face. <laughs> did he have a mm-hmm. manager? Did he have a manager who was his son who he would yell at all the time? Oh the big dummy get the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Now that was Bill Watts <laughs> doing it to Joel in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but here, I, I found this fascinating footage. Pete, Pete, thank you. Yeah. That was fucking. Uh, thank I you. could I couldn't ask for a better birthday present. <laughs> That's you know what? From the footage right away, you can see Jake Roberts was already really good. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking. I, you know, I, you'd classify me like the Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham categories of being like a protege almost because he looks really good here. And I don't know how many years he's been in the business here. I mean, only a handful, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, he throws a great punch. He's, he's a great fired up baby face. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, his timing is really good. It's just yeah. he has it right off the bat. And. And, 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 you know, it's funnier because he, he looks really good here. And slowly, slowly he gets laser and laser as his career uh, goes. Uh, but, my God, <laughs> he's a great fired-up babyface. And all the young footage mm-hmm. where I've seen him here in yeah. um, Mid-Atlantic, he looked good. In Florida, yeah. he looked good. Uh, and Georgia, uh, and like in 84 is where he starts really morphing. And then Mid-South, he looks fantastic. And – uh, and by the WWF, he's just a polished product and stuff. And uh, and yeah, I mean, he's but he's good from 
from Jump Street, it looks like here. Well, you know, uh, and, and that kind of explains something because you know how it is with, like, what happens when you're almost instantly really good at uh, anything like this that's performing, you know, and, and, and have an addictive personality. How many stories are like that? You know, he was a prodigy, you know, and that's be- that's why he became so fucked up, you know. And and of course, you know, the upbringing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Another thing I really enjoyed about this match was, I don't know if you all saw it or you guys even might even, maybe because I'm just a huge Steamboat fan, but I loved how Jake uh, did a, like a double block of the loaded uh, wrist. Yeah, that's the spot and, I was talking about. And that, yeah, yeah that's yeah, a yeah. spot. It's a spot he uses later on in the feud with Ricky Steamboat when he's trying to block his karate moves. He does that type of stuff. If you look at the one, I think it's in uh, uh, 8, 9, 96 from oh. uh, Boston Garden. Uh, he uh, does the same exact mm-hmm. double block, but he's a heel here. And he's like being cocky, like, hey, I blocked your karate stuff. Oh, because uh, here he sells it, though, yeah. that it hurts because it's the loaded glove. Yeah, really and cool. here you, but the other way he does the blocks, but mm-hmm. it's because he's blocking the karate, which I, I know I just thought it was neat. I like seeing like these spots that people use together, and they clearly like uh, Nick Bockwinkle used to do this one spot with I seen it with Brad, do it with Bret Hart. I've seen him do it with Mr. Perfect, and then I've seen Perfect and Brett do it together, uh, lifting the same spot that Bockwinkle did with the two of them as young wrestlers, and I always, I mark out for stuff like that. Um, next match up is Freebirds versus JYD and Watts. Bill Watts here. Uh, uh, J- J- why don't you go there, Kelly? Okay. Um, I just wanted to throw in a few more details about the early years since we're talking about oh, yeah, go for it. the early years. Yeah. I was, about, I, was, I, was about, I was about to say for, for my birthday present, I'm, I'm not getting the more, the more early years of the junkyard dog. I, <laughs> yeah, expect, there we I, go. I, I kind of was expecting you to go do research for my birthday, buddy. So, <laughs> thank you. Well, I, I'm pretty, I'm kind of lazy these days. I just have wrestling data, like literally, like the page. That's enough effort. Right no, no, that's enough effort for me. That's enough effort for yeah. me. That's fine. So he has an interesting start because he started in the IWA. You remember that uh, failed oh. attempt at, at going national. Oh, but he was there? He was there, but he was there after it failed, and then it just became a, a North Carolina-based oh, promotion yeah, for like that. the last yeah. year. Yeah, so that's when he got into it, after oh, they okay. failed. That's Martinez, right? Yeah, Pedro Martinez, and Eddie Einhorn was the, the TV guy. Okay. And, 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 and the magazines were all in on it. Being like, yeah, let's promote the fuck out of this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because yeah, at first they held shows in New Jersey and yeah. it had some success, but then it didn't last long. They couldn't get into any of the major arenas. They were all yeah. locked down. Yeah, Vince, so, Vin, Vince Sr. Vince Sr. Yeah. Uh, talked to the people who ran Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And it was like, you want to keep being at yeah. fucking ringside? You know, knock that shit off. While, while, <laughs> while, 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 while playing with a stack of quarters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. So he was Sylvester Ritter. That was his first name in wrestling. That was his real name. And yeah, the IWA, like I said, was just local in North Carolina. And he was from North Carolina. So I'm not sure what his in exactly was. You know, he had a football background. I think he tried out for the Green Bay Packers 
Did drafted Rossi by the Oilers. One of their camps. Okay, but I don't think he ever. No, he blew his to, knee I think he out. Went to camp with the Packers. So, yeah. Yeah, blew his knee out. Yeah. Um, and then you know he just jobbed around. He was in Memphis for a while. I think he worked as Leroy Rochester there. Oof. Um, Oof. Yeah, yeah, I know. Where was this? Great name. Where was this? I think I was in mostly in Memphis. Of course yeah, it, was. it was. Of course it was. Yeah. Memphis. Look, I love Memphis wrestling. Memphis wrestling is my favorite of the old territories. But there was some shit in Memphis wrestling. But and that name is the worst. Oh boy. Yeah. No boo. Shame on you, Jerry yeah. Lawler and Jerry Jarrett. And apparently, he was in Tri-State before uh, he was Junkyard Dog in 1977. According to wrestling data, wrestling as Sylvester De Ritter. <laughs> De Ritter? Yeah, De Ritter, D E, and then Ritter, like a like a French sort of accent. Now, is, is, it, is, it, is it acceptable if I try to do the junkyard dog's accent, but in French? You know? <laughs> <laughs> with a French accent. Yeah, with a French yeah, accent. KYD <laughs> voice with Pepe Le Pew accent, huh? Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can't even do that, <laughs> but someone needs to. <laughs> yeah. So he just had a few shots there. It looks like well, only six recorded matches in 77. And in, in, it was still the tri-state territory at that time before Watts broke away. Or maybe it was after Watts broke away and they they had the two with uh, McGurk. McGurk, yeah. That's probably more like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. So hold on. Hold on a second. How, I have a question. How long do you think McGurk didn't know the junkyard dog was black because Bill Watts <laughs> wouldn't tell him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Terrible. So just, he's like, he's like, he's like, Sylvester, just let me do all the talking, okay? Got, you got him, got him, boss. boss. McGurk never knew. <laughs> God. Okay, so that's that's about it. There wasn't too much before Stampede. He was he's just doing jobs in different territories. So this match, the J. Reddy and Watts versus the Freebirds. I'm not sure where it's from. Um, Wrestling Data's results are kind of spotty with Mid South at this time. It appears to have been a probably it was a lights out match, a no disqualification match based yeah. on what goes on in this match and there was results for um, those matches around the horn and there was one specifically in Baton Rouge November 4th but I don't I want to say this was maybe the auditorium in New Orleans but I'm not I'm nowhere near 100% sure uh, it was definitely a bigger arena it looked uh, looked pretty big yeah and yeah I mean this would have been so awesome to have the whole thing oh, and with commentary even as it was just the clips this was you could tell this was an awesome match oh I loved like, every I loved every second of it yeah. I loved every yeah. second of yeah this. yeah like the Freebirds of course this was Gordy and Roberts teaming and on the outside you had Hayes and Ernie Ladd and um Bill Watts is wearing a singlet it was so weird. It was, <laughs> it was so weird seeing Bill Watts in a singlet and uh, dark hair. You know, just and didn't he <laughs> kind of have like the Bruno Afro going? Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so yeah, he had, like his hair looked different, and then he's wearing this singlet. I was like, I'm used to a bald guy wearing giant black underwear. That that was weird. 
Yeah, and so this is, of course, after the blinding angle and after the big show at the Superdome in August with the cage, the dog collar cage between JYD and Hayes, one of the, you know, the matches that would be so awesome to turn up, but it probably never will. It's but the great. It, this it, is kind it, of the closest we have. God, I'd even be happy for the television, seeing some of the promos for this yeah. thing. Any, anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the great lost feuds. It's one of these things we know about. We know how big and yeah. important it was. And we, there doesn't seem to be that much footage out there of any of it. I'm just like, Oh, I wish I could see this shit. Cause this was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, this this was super fun. It was, like I said, a no-DQ match, obviously. Chair, chair shots all over the place. And um, the good guys win in the end. So, yeah, th- this was... I think the Freebirds were finishing up here. I think they'd already debuted um, in Georgia at this time. So they were just they were, um, doing jobs, leaving the territory. But, yeah, this was this was cool. And, yeah, I'm glad I found this little bit, bit of footage. Oh, that's awesome. That's so basically... Freebirds were hot from 80 to 84, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of money from that at time frame. They were, um, they were something. But but so that, so that it's so funny because you know, one would always assume that the big match with Hayes after the blinding angle would be the blow off of the feud with Bill Watts. It's like, no, how do we keep this? They're leaving. What can we do? Let's, do, let's add in as the encore to that, the grand tradition of – the, the the old man who runs the place coming out of retirement one more time to team with the, the baby face to yeah. take on the the heel tag team or, or the, the, the be you know or whatever yeah I mean, that's great that's great booking man. yeah I bet you like Watts's promos against Hayes were oh. identical to what he was doing with Cornette in '84 you know uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. and, and this is also Hayes in that role where. Uh, Watts considered him more of a manager. Is that correct? Yeah. He was, yeah, he was just like, you're the manager, okay? Let's let the wrestlers wrestle. I guarantee you Watts called him a prissy sissy at one point. Of course point. he did. Uh, I, you know? I, I remember when, I, when Watts said that, the first time I heard Watts say that in UWF, is that you're a prissy or sissy. I, I was 16 years old, and I'm like, fuck you, old man. Lame. I was totally on the Freebird side. I was on the Freebird side. And I loved how they brought them in the Freebirds there real quick as an aside during this junkyard dog show to bring up the Freebirds. I know it's kind of weird, but it's World Cat. But they, they brought them in as if they'd signed a giant rock star uh, deal, you know? Like oh, UWF. The, yeah, UWF. We've got. Oh, the it's hottest, a great. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, yeah. We've got the hottest. Great, it really agents. is. Yeah, we've got the we've got the hottest act, and they play it up like it's a big time Hollywood signing. So I like. Yeah, that. no, they made yeah. it huge. Yeah, but also. With this, okay, I'm sorry, Pete. You were gonna go. No, you were gonna go. Okay, thanks. Uh, so, <laughs> Ernie lads with the birds, and I, I was like, "Whoa, okay, what's why is this? What, what's this for? I don't get. Uh, I, that's curious. Is it? Is that to be like? No, see, they're not totally racist. Ernie Ladd hangs out with them. They're not. It's, it's, this isn't a race <laughs> thing, you know. You know that Ernie Ladd often hangs out with guys. That, maybe they didn't come out in their Confederate gear too. You know, they were in their like shiny rhinestone cowboy green and silver gear you know yeah. <laughs> you know, well ernie lad and junkyard dog are there <laughs> and again watch this so strange here but god jyd is so fucking cool you know that's why everyone loved him besides the the connection and you loved him and he was the hero of the people yeah he's coming out strutting the fucking music and, and kicking ass 
and he's jacked and young and this is the prime junkyard dog he was who was just fucking on fire it was amazing he was just so cool fonzie level cool yeah and, uh, and watts tosses lad out though that was the thing is you get out of here dummy or whatever you call it watts and <laughs> And go back there with the super dummy. Yeah, you go back there with super dummy, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and, now I'm just picturing Bill Watts as Fred Sanford, and that's the best thing ever. <laughs> oh, Pete, that's a birthday present that'll keep on giving. Um, uh, JYD's side breaker was cool. There's a chair to the fucking third. Buddy Roberts does a bump where he's hanging by his one foot out of the. Uh, from the in the ropes upside down out of the ring like ah there's it was fucking dope this was <laughs> you know any little tidbits of this stuff that i've been wanting to see forever is you know, fine by me i'm not gonna bitch that this since there's been nothing this is good enough this was great this was so much fun yeah no i enjoyed every second of it and um, for me like you mentioned a buddy roberts moment here's another one was when he was selling uh jyd's backbreaker he'd, yeah. he'd hold him in the backbreaker and, and like yeah I, I just loved it i thought it was just brilliant and so over the top but great and in, in the over the topness next up we got jyd versus don morocco in a dog collar match which is jyd's specialty um, well, you know, based off the blinding angle, that became his calling card match. Uh, we'll, we'll go with you, John. What, what do you think of this thing? Oh, well, I just know that I uh, took these notes, uh, took these notes at a late night on a weekend. So they're going to get more and more interesting, you know, indecipherable as will I on my birthday night here. I'm having a drinky or two. First of all, <laughs> it's the Philly, it's this Philly spectrum. And I, Boo, no Cal. This is post-Cal. I was like, oh, God, what I would have what I would have given to hear Cal Rudman call a match between the Junkyard Dog and his favorite Don Morocco. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's an he, He's sitting at ringside, though. Was he? Oh, because I'm sure he loved yeah. both. He, you know why? Because I'm sure he was in love with both of these guys. Because you know what Cal, like, <laughs> like you, know, you know how Cal felt about Tony Atlas, man. Look at the junkyard dog. He, I mean, he's not, you know, he's he's not completely lost his physique yet here. And it's the first ever dog collar match in Pennsylvania ever. They sold that. And I was like, that's cool. I was like, really? That's maybe ever in, in WWF, I guess. But yeah, that was a Southern thing. Junkyard dog brought that there. And, uh, Mm-hmm. You got Mel Phillips in his powder blue suit, and boo, boy, not looking, not looking sharp, Mel, not looking sharp. <laughs> and and grab them cakes is playing, and I was like, oh god, I just reminded me how much I fucking hated grab them cakes. Now it does have a funky bass line, I'll give it that, mm-hmm. but junkyard dog singing about going to grab them cakes, then. Is and I guess if you think about it, it's like he's wanting to grab women's butts. I guess maybe you know, that, that's not cool either. I don't know. It, the, and that didn't even occur to me when I was a kid, even a teenager. I thought I was like, are you talking about asses or, or actual cake? I don't know because he's getting fatter, and I'm just not sure. 
and I hated it because it was so uncool. And the junkyard dog had cool music. That was part of, part of the junkyard dog deal was the cool entrance songs he had when they could use them. But yeah, this is what it was. And uh, oh, gosh, oh, but junkyard dog, uh, he it slips the the chain slips off, and then they're just using it as a weapon. It's still around Morocco's neck the whole time, yeah. but he's just using it as a weapon. The place is going ape shit for this. I was expecting this to like utterly suck. I was just like, well, what era of Morocco and junkyard dog is this? Because that could be rough in WWF. Morocco actually looked in good shape. Yeah, Morocco looked great. Junkyard dog was on fire here. Um, but junkyard, like I, I used to go to shows at the. At the uh, at the Spectrum, and I've, I've been a Philly. What about what thirty five years ago, right? Oh well, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fifteen. Now sixteen was when. Okay, the between late fifteen and sixteen is when we started going to wrestling shows. Okay, uh, and. You know, part of that Philly crowd that was, you know, part of my influence and everything. And but sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, they're wrong because uh, one guy had a sign that said Morocco and Fuji number one. And I'm like, okay, that's Philly. That's fine. That's fine because I'm all about being a heel fan. But then there was, I don't know, maybe a, a, a young observer reader uh, in the audience who had a sign that said JYD equals more garbage. <laughs> someone is pining for the days of Bob Backlund and Pat Patterson and, and all the others. And he's at the show though. And he's got to sign more of this, more of this Vince junior garbage Ugh, that I just paid to go to. That, that is, I like. I like to think it's it's Super Eight's actual son. He he actually procreated, you know. But he's passed on by this time, you know. Recently, <laughs> Jesus he, Christ. he actually he had procreated. a Super Eight reference in. Yeah, right, well, in hey, it's it's my birthday, baby. And uh, <laughs> oh God, the, 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 my teeth are so fucked up. That that was okay. Uh, wow. Okay. This was, oh yeah, and doesn't Morocco go after an old man and who picks up his cane and shakes yeah. it at Morocco? No, this, so I like this. This was fun. This is JYD was so over in WWF uh, at first. Like I told you, man, he was exciting and all about it. I think at WrestleMania one, I was like, he's going to beat Greg Valentine for this belt, right? And it and it didn't happen, and I was like. Oh, okay. That was weird. That's fully what I expected to happen. I did not mm -hmm. expect that Tito was going to get it back. I was like, clearly the junkyard dog is getting this belt because mm -hmm. he's the most over motherfucker here, but it didn't happen. But then again, it might be one of those cases of, okay. Uh, could be racial, you know, but, uh, probably it's 50, 50 that and the excuse, um, they're so over, they don't need a belt. Because, you know, that, that old excuse. <laughs> yeah, because I think they used him like they had the funk feud and the race feud. Yeah. But then they'd plug him in like uh, as special tag partner with Hogan or special oh, tag yeah. partner with Steamboat against Morocco and Fuji. He was a big deal, um, man. He was a big deal. 
Yeah, yeah they, they. I think they use them. They use them well because they can use them. Plug them in on top in a tag situation. Because he and, came in, he came in looking like a million fucking bucks. The, the people loved him immediately, you know, and and he was a star overnight there. You know, he was a big, big deal. Yeah, and, he uh, could help like help Steamboat draw on the B shows. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he had a role. Where? What about you, Kelly? What do you think of this match? Well, I mean, I picked the first four matches, and I picked them cold. I didn't check for quality <laughs> or anything. Um, stampede, and I was wondering the, why the haven't I? Nerd, why haven't the, I heard? <laughs> the stampede nerd's going to shit on the work rate of this match, Pete. I think that's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> no, it's not. The, it's not the work rate at all. This match didn't need to have work rate. Um, it needed blood. It needed blood. I was right? wondering why I'd never heard of this match. <laughs> yeah, it needed blood and just some, you know, compelling action, really, because there wasn't much, and it, it ended super quick. Um, but I was wondering why I'd never heard of a, this dog collar match before, because I don't, I don't know, was this the only dog collar match that WWF ever did, or one of the only ones? I no, can't I, I think recall of any no, others. I, I recall seeing one. Really? No, I, I, around this time, it was on one of the Coliseum videos. I'm almost positive, and I hope I'm getting everybody involved right, but it was Snooka and JYD versus Piper and Orton in a double dog collar match. Oh, I'm almost maybe. positive. I can remember it. It was yeah, a Texas I, mean, I saw recently I watched a uh, – Billy Jack Haynes for Hercules chain match, which is pretty similar. Chain. Yeah, but not dog collar. Chain. Right. But even chain matches have been rare over the years. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this one was the first ever. It was the first Any, ever in Philadelphia. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's one of the only ones ever. Like there's, They didn't have like a big one ever. Like That was part of a well-known feud. Or, and even this was just localized. This it appears that Philly was the only uh, city where they ran this uh, program between JYD and Morocco. I don't even know what started it. They wrestled the previous month in Philly, and presumably that match ended in a schmoz of some sort that um, warranted a, a dog color rematch. But yeah, I, and. I don't know if there was only one collar even because <laughs> as it goes on, yeah, like the um, JYD is not attached, but then if you look closely, it doesn't even look like there's a second collar for him to be attached to. No, no, no. Cause I, I, I saw that too. Cause JYD, it looked like wasn't where he wasn't wearing a collar. He was wearing just the chain like tied yeah. in a knot. So, because yeah. so, someone wanted a goddamn dog collar match and they wanted it right away uh, at the last minute and they had to run out. And how many dog collars can you find with two collars on them? You know, that takes a little work. And so, who was that person? Cal Rudman is who it was. It's like, I thought this guy did dog collar matches. I want dog collar. And so, they had to try to find one. They couldn't. This is the, this is the longest one they could find. <laughs> well, presumably, yeah, you'd have to weld like 
custom yeah, weld it takes some work. two dog collars together. Yeah, it takes a little work. <laughs> so they obviously <laughs> forgot that they had to do that and just had uh, one, you know, actual dog collar for one dog. Yeah. Anyway, and his dog collar might yeah, be a little too Calvin. southern for the WWF too. Oh yeah, it was definitely a yeah, yeah. That. Oh, that that's but, the main thing. Yeah, but but I can picture like, Vince gets a phone call. You know, from wherever he is, he's like, "What? They didn't put together the goddamn dog collar, right? God damn it! That's why we don't do fuck Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Um, yeah, and um, I don't know. Like, um, the crowd begins to lose interest. Like, it was red hot at first, but it's a Philly crowd. They're expecting blood. There's no blood. And then there's the abrupt finish where Morocco jumps off the top and Dog uh, holds up the chain, hits him in the head, and pins him quickly. This was maybe, what, seven, eight minutes? And (laughs) the crowd is clearly pissed off. Yeah, the crowd, though, is clearly pissed off and booing at the end. And, and yeah, (laughs) I I was thinking, oh, this killed the fucking town with this match. No, that's Philadelphia. Um, No, that is is Philadelphia. If you're going to have a dog collar match, yeah. Now that is yeah. Philadelphia being Philadelphia. That's what that was. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, part of growing up in that crowd is realizing, eventually realizing by talking to other people and then reading about the influences of you know, be they good or negative, of being part of that Philly crowd. I yeah, that's what that is. They're like, nope, not having this. Boo! Because there were a lot of people cheering for Morocco. There were uh, you, yeah, there was there that. Was, there that, was a lot of people yeah. cheering for Morocco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with Kelly on this one. I uh, I like JYD's punches, but my God, this is pretty much a nothing. Hmm. <laughs> like I always feel gypped watching it. Uh, this Pete's uh, anti Pete's anti <laughs> WWF bias coming through. It's like oh, it's all shit. Like as soon as it leaves the territory. <laughs> <laughs> it just it like it was just I don't know it just uh, it did nothing for me. Um, next up, we get uh, we're in back into world class area. Yeah, uh, we got JYD versus Jimmy Garvin, and I just want to say this is something that's this is an art. This match is an art that's missing in today's wrestling. There's only a couple of back bumps taken throughout the whole match. But it was super compelling. It was a minimalistic match, but I was enjoying every freaking second of it. Uh, this this type of match has now been replaced with the the the, the high end comedy type of stuff they do, uh, which doesn't relate at all to me. I, I'd rather much watch minimalistic matches with two super charisma guys uh, than than what we, they try to pass off as comedy matches today. Uh, but I enjoyed the hell out of this. I mean, I loved, uh, like, Precious is cosplaying as the pink lady from Greece. We have, uh, I loved uh, Garvin or, uh, I mean, Garvin or Buddy would be my choice to be my, the best opponent for JYD in world class. I love the shtick of JYD blocking Jimmy Garvin's strut at the beginning. I think we've they've, uh, we've, they've made, like, the first five minutes of this is just a, ton of fun without barely even touching each other and i love jyd way jyd doing the garvin impersonation was awesome this was just a Mm -hmm. ton ton of fun 
What what about you, uh, John? What do you think about this? Oh, I completely agree. This was great. Uh, uh, but Junkyard Dog, this what was his, the music here? Because it was yeah, not, it was not another one bites the dust. No. I know he used various no. songs. I did not recognize this at no. all. Me neither. Me neither did I. Yeah. Oh, if anyone, if we do include it in the show notes, and anyone with it. You know, who you could figure that out who listens to this I'm, for me my birthday figure this out because you know what whoever's choice it was sucked because it didn't fit the junkyard dog this did not whatever it was didn't fit him i just picture fritz you know like queen a guy's a fairy you know we don't play that here <laughs> you know like oh shit what do we have <laughs> you got Ke- you got carrie singing his songs of his poems get, get out there junkyard dog uh uh they call it, he calls him Gentleman Jim Garvin. Uh, it's, I love that she perfumes JYD before the match. Like, you stink, boo, boo, boo. And, you know, and he's like, and he's like get that shit out of my face. That was great. And I was thinking about it during this match. And, Chuck, and again, uh, and just get to the point uh, of our conversation during this match. But before that, here's why Jimmy Garvin always feels like a big deal to me because you know, this is a world cast. We're in the middle of Jimmy Garvin at, at his, his best run ever. Um, Cause when I was a kid, you know, teenager, 15 years old, 14 years old, uh, who became the obsessed wrestling fan for the first time, Jimmy Garvin was feuding with Rick Martel for the AWA world title. So I was like, who are the guys who are big deals in wrestling? So I was like, this Jimmy Garvin guy looks like a big deal. He seems like a big deal. This guy's a big deal. I didn't ever look at him as a mid-card guy. Uh, and then, like, it was weird when he went to Crockett and started out in the mid-card. To me, I was just like, oh, he's isn't he supposed to be one of the top guys? And, and uh, it was weird. It was one of those weird things when I real, realizing uh, how it meant debuting in a new territory and shit like that. But uh so mm-hmm. I still look at him as a big deal. So this is Junkyard Dog versus Jimmy Garvin, and it, it's fucking great. And Garvin, there's a bear hug spot in this. Now, normally bear hug spots can kind of you suck. Junkyard Dog is bear hugging Jimmy Garvin. And Junkyard Dog is also jacked. He's a brick shit house at this point. Jimmy Garvin is keeping his legs up and his, you know, his legs folded, his knees up for the bear hug, which is the only way it ever looks like it hurts <laughs> and he keeps his legs up mm-hmm. for a while here like pretty long time it was an impressive junkyard dog is squatting and they're doing it together and it's an impressive impressive spot um <clears throat> uh, there's a press slam uh uh she spits out oh, she uh, pronouns pal uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got a text. I, I had to check a text because it could be a work thing. At the, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, J- Junker Dog's about to do something to uh, Jimmy Garvin, and he points at Precious and says, "This is for you." you know, which I, that's great. You know, this is for you, honey. You know, I wish I could do this to you. You know, but I'm going to do it to your old man here. And she hits him with the perfume. There's a DQ. She spits on him. Iceman shows up to the rescue and you know and the crowd goes ape shit and also of course sunshine comes out to the rescue to beat to get a to beat the shit out of that 
bitch who just spit on the junkyard dog and JYD at the end is being held up by Ice Man and Sunshine. She's patting him on the back and he's hugging the Ice Man, hugging the Ice Man. Thank you so much. And he turns to Sunshine and he offers his hand. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and just shakes her hand. Like, you know, be, uh, Fritz, like, there'll be no hugging. There, there'll be no hugging. <laughs> it's 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 really it's really funny. You're like, oh, thank you. Like, just gives her a little handshake. While while and she's like, I wish you'd hug me. She's, you know, sunshine, sunshine doesn't discriminate. Sunshine's an open minded person. I'd like to think, and she might probably wanted some of the junkyard dog that night. Uh, this was fun. This was really good. Kelly, what about you, brother? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally fun. I, you know, I wanted to include something from world class since that's uh, what we do after all. And JYD's been in the territory, and I wanted to find something that we won't watch from the Sportatorium shows. This is from March nineteenth, eighty four, Fort Worth. So about a month ahead of us, mm. where we are on the timeline. And yeah, JYD, Jimmy Garvin, you know, that sounded like a pretty appealing matchup for the time. And uh, yeah, it was super, super fun. I mean, there wasn't much to it. It was just, you know, JYD dominated most of it. Garvin and Precious are great, you know, being concerned about their hair getting messed up by JYD and the, the crowd loves that stuff. And yeah, you gotta, you gotta, Garvin just shows You gotta be a master of crowd, of being able to work a crowd, be able to pull a match off like this. Oh, yeah. Well, when you're as over as JYD and when you're as, you know, as great of a heel as, as Jimmy Garvin was at the time, it, it's, yeah, magic stuff. And the press slam was great by JYD. That was something he didn't bring really with him to the WWF, or at least I don't remember it, uh, being busted out too often in the WWF. So that was cool to see, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was like I said, it was a fun match, cool stuff. So, so John, uh, talk to us about JYD as a touring uh, attraction. Okay, so we we the three of us were having a chat uh, recently uh, via a text group message, and uh, I can't remember if it was me or you guys. Uh, we were just talking about Junkyard Dog because he stood. You guys we were like, "Hey, he's in world class now, and it's awesome. We love the Junkyard Dog." And we're like, "Well, you know, he he's a touring attraction." guy right you know we we know about the touring attraction guys dusty Rhodes is a touring attraction guy uh andre of course is the king of the touring attraction guys there was a, you know who was some, bruiser brody was a uh, touring attraction guy abdullah was a touring attraction guy but who junkyard dog not only was he the only african-american who was the top guy in his territory he was also the only African-American at that time who was a top guy, even if he was only going to mid-card stuff where he went, which is, happens with, like, with Andre and lots of these guys, uh, who's also a touring attraction guy. And nobody talks about that, really. Then I, I thought that was odd. And then I thought, oh, it's not that odd. It's then we all know why. But... That is, I mean, what what is it? What let's count them. When he took off as junkyard dog in Watts, where else did he go? He went to world class for just little stints. 
He went to Georgia, I believe. Memphis. Memphis. Yeah. He, oh, did Multiple he go to Memphis times. too? Him and him and Butch Reed yeah. did a uh, tar and feather angle, I believe. Okay, it was a tar so, and feather or a painted yellow angle in Memphis. Okay, so Memphis. Uh, that's right. Um, yeah. I don't know if he ever – I think he might have done some stuff for Eddie Graham in Florida, just a few shots. Yes, Florida, Carolinas. At the same time, in 1984, he was working quite a bit in the Carolinas too. Uh, yeah, so I, and so it's yeah, I think some, he was even yeah. Jimmy, one of Jimmy Boogeyman's partners. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah, oh, oh that's right. Oh, I should have known that. Of course, I remembered the goddamn cover of the PWI. Yeah. It was Junkyard Dog joins Jimmy Valiant's Boogie Woogie Brigade. I remember seeing that cover after I'd already become a huge fan of both guys. And my mind was blown. I'm like, that's the greatest tag team of all time as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. That's, that's all I, I want to see. I want to see Jimmy Valiant and the Junkyard Dog beating up Paul Jones and his goons. And I want to see it. Now, people, now. Well, now. it's a, yeah, it's on the network. Uh, had, Pete, ooh. didn't you and Johnny P and and uh, JB review that show? Did from, we? Uh, Which one? I think it was the last, the last of the the ones you guys did really? together. Oh, so I was the champions. Wasn't it? Uh, we we did Boogie Jam. Jam? Yeah, it was Boogie Jam. Was it Boogie Jam? Oh, okay, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of somebody. No, I it was one where. Um, no, it was. It was. It was. Six uh, man. It was something else. It was something. I'm trying to think. Yeah, a six man tag. We saw. Uh, yeah, it was Boogie Jam. It yeah, was yeah. Boogie Jam. And it yeah, was. I, I so so wait a minute. So I actually saw Junkyard Dog and Jimmy Valiant team up and fight Paul Jones goons, and I don't remember it. And, no. Yeah, okay. Okay. No, he was in a. He fought the goons, <laughs> but he was in a different. He was with Angela Mosca Jr. Uh, okay. He was fighting. Oh, that's right. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Right, right. Okay, right, so, right, right. You know, look, Sorry as, to get your hopes up, Johnny. Okay, so as much as I – well, I was concerned. Like, I saw this and I forgot it. That's so Johnny. <laughs> Figure it out. And – but if I – so I did see this and Angela Mosca Jr. was in it. And even as much as I love the junkyard dog, I'm sure my brain immediately went <laughs> – Zonk yeah, there's Ivan Koloff was in it, Great Kabuki, and I think Gary Hart was in it. I think it was oh, those okay. three. So one of these things is not like what did Jimmy Valiant just not make his booking that night? Because no, he did. Valiant worked the main event in oh, a right. or in, a, in the hair or a mask match against Assassin's Assassin, two, Assassin's with right, Dusty right. at ringside. That's okay. My favorite, my my favorite bit of footage from the PWI's Lord of the Ring. That's that's correct. Yeah. But yeah, but again, just to put a pin in it, nobody talks about the how the junkyard dog was this great touring act, just like all the great touring acts. And you know, I think we know why. I, it's got to be part of the reason why. Why is this not talked about more? You know, and then also, is it also because there's a generation of people who like me who were 16, 15 years old, 16 years old when they first got their hands on a mimeographed observer and saw that Meltzer was calling him the junk food dog. And, yeah. and went with like, yeah, fuck junkyard dog. He said, and all they remember is he goes WWE gets very successful, makes a lot of money, gets fat. Has, he has his issues. Uh, and they're just like, Oh, that's what we remember. So, so that's the narrative that's been uh, put out yeah, there. Ever since I've been an observer voter, mm -hmm. I voted him for the Hall of Fame. And yeah, of course. Far, 
Not of good. course, of course. He's, okay, if you put a lot of importance into one Hall of Fame from another Hall of Fame in wrestling, you know, that's fine, whatever. To me, they're all fucking work. Uh, but you know, any any Hall of Fame should have the fucking junkyard dog in it. That's not even debatable. I don't see how. For all the points we've talked about on this show, how is this? even debatable that you have some sort of weird metric system of numbers and shit that doesn't put the junkyard dog on your hall of fame to me is bonkers because let's face it he was a we're, what we're talking he was a groundbreaking performer you know it in in, in all it you know it ah drives it, it, oh, that drives me nuts but mm, okay let's move on well, I think I just want to say I think the reason he's not remembered as a touring attraction is that it didn't last that long, relatively. No, like, yeah, the results it was really just on top it happened. Either. Well, neither did right, he wasn't working on top, but it wasn't really. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the results, it wasn't until '84 that he really started working a ton of different territories. Like he worked Georgia '81, '82, mm. and maybe some other places, but it's really the last six well, to eight months before he went to the WWF and that he exploded yeah. as a guy touring all over. It just wasn't long and enough. That's like true. Andre did it for you know, a dozen years or whatever. Yeah, put it put it in perspective as lightning in a bottle. Well, true, true. But, however, that lightning in a bottle happened, and let's just say Vince Jr. didn't decide to take over the fucking world at the same time this happened and immediately go with that guy. I, I, I'm, I'm taking him. I'm taking him. I'm taking him when he was just going that guy, that guy, that guy. And he saw Junkyard Dog. He was like, yep. Uh, of course, cause he know, he knew, you know, he knew how huge he fucking was. Uh, but if this, yeah. let's say, let's say the territories didn't die and Vincent stayed, you know, where he was, you know, Vince mm-hmm. decided to get his, the ancient, just like his son did and still run the fucking business. Uh, and it was just like, no, we're fine. We don't need the chip card dog. Uh, he will. And we, we sold the territories. He could have been that one who did it for a long, long time. So I think it, it coincides with yeah, the Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, yeah, it shows like he had built up, he started to build up a reputation as a turning attraction and it kind of got cut short. So yeah, for sure it probably would have went on for several more years if he didn't go to WWF. And I don't think the video footage really didn't start servicing until the last couple of years on him being the touring attraction mm-hmm. either. Well, you'd think wrestling uh, journalists would uh, put, have put forth this theory and what we're talking about here, but uh, I guess not. <laughs> That leads us into the next match, which is JYD and Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne, the Rat Pack. This is from February 25, uh, 1983. And this is kind of like the house show version of their famous match they did on Mid-South Television where, uh, where, what was it, Duggan was dressed as the gorilla, right? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the house show. Well, it was JYD and it wasn't. Oh, it was Mr. Olympia, either. right? It was uh, JYD's partner. Mr. Well, Olympia. Mr. Olympia, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But Pete. yeah, but this is a, uh, Mr. Pete. Wrestling 2 has been a, you know, longtime partner of JYD. Uh, so I thought this would be an interesting match to take a look at. Mm. And uh, why don't you is talk about it there, Kelly? 
Pete, I'm sorry. Is this Houston? Uh, is this Houston? Yeah. The Paul Bosch? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Houston. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is Pete, of course. You recommended these last two matches, and I hadn't seen well, – I maybe saw the, the street fight before. I know I've seen a Yeah, street it was fight on the Mid-South DVD read, set that WWE put out. But there's like a minute or like 30 oh, okay. seconds missing out of the footage. So this one is actually complete. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe I, have, I had seen it. But anyway, uh, two great choices. I, I love Mr. Wrestling too. And you don't see – there's not a ton of footage of him out there in long matches. Um, I guess more so when he turns heel with the whole thing with Magnum yeah. TA and Mid-South but not a ton from the early 80s when he was one of the top stars. Um, Dog is in just such great shape here. This was maybe at the peak for him. He, he looks great. And DiBiase and Bourne are great heels. They're just bumping, stooging like crazy the whole match. Um, Dog busts out a side Russian leg sweep at one point, which kind of surprised me. That was a, a nice addition to the arsenal. And... Yeah, this was a good tag. Uh, the heels take a long beating, and um, they finally get heat on Wrestling 2. Hot tag to JYD in a house of fire. And pretty much right after that, things are out of control. The ref gets slugged multiple times, and we get a double DQ. But this was a really good match. Uh, hot crowd, great tag, great work by uh, especially the heel team. They were really, really good. DBS and Bourne. What about you, John? What did what you think of it? Oh, this was fun. I'm, I'm sure. Now, I do remember seeing this uh, from uh, when you and I, Pete, were doing Space City. Because I'm positive we talked about this. Match. I'm not you guarantee we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's Houston. I don't, I don't know why I asked, Pete. That was so dumb of me uh, to interrupt you with that. Because the first thing you hear in my notes is the first thing you hear is – I. Is it maybe young Bruce Pritchard on the, the house yep. microphone going, yeah, it is. gentlemen, return to your seats. Return to your seats and clear the aisles or you will be arrested. And you look at the crowd and everyone's sitting down. And I'm thinking, I'm like, was that a gimmick just to make it seem crazier that Paul Vosh used to do? Because no, everyone was sitting down while he was saying it, uh, for the most part, in the stands. Uh, it was great, but that, but also you already told me, Pete, about how crazy hot these Houston crowds were. So they probably were going crazy, uh, and I always loved that when we would do Space City, man, uh, and a match would be so fucking hot. They in the middle of it, they'd have to have Bruce fucking yelling at the crowd like, "You better motherfuckers, better stop, or you're gonna get arrested." <laughs> I'm like, "This is great." It was so hot. Uh, so I'm glad Kelly, you're getting to see this because we got to see a lot when uh, before the uh, Billy Corgan with the shitty music fucking uh, killed our podcast and uh, took away our. <laughs> I love uh, that spin. Yeah, we were uh, we were Corgan just, killed it. Fucking killed, killed, killed it. Fucking dead piece of shit. Uh, yeah, his music sucks. He sucks. He's not. He, uh, fuck Billy Corgan in, in on many levels. By the way, I hate his fucking music. I hate. That's, I, I guess maybe this NWA thing is, is great. You guys like it. So that's the one good thing he's doing. Good. I'll give you that. But otherwise, fuck him. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry. Mr. This match was great. First of all, this is awesome. Loved every fucking minute of this. JYD is a goddamn chiseled god here. Just, whoa, just amazing. 
And uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, the junk food dog thing that Meltzer, you know, and I hated that, by the way. When I read that in The Observer, even at 16, I was like, fuck you. You know, I'm like, that's the, and it turns out that's what Ernie Ladd used to call Jim Ross because he was chubby at this time. You know, and right. so somehow or another, either Meltzer knew about that and tried to make it his own joke uh, about the junkyard dog or it's the similarity. It's, I mean, it's pretty, it's an easy joke to make. But I always thought it, I, I, it was disrespectful. Uh, the first time I read it and observed it, he said that, I was like, well, fuck you. As, even as a teenager, I thought it was disrespectful. So, okay, get that off my chest. My chest. I'm not going to go on a Meltzer rant like, well, maybe if I do, we can get picked up and be on Conrad's podcast network. Ooh. <laughs> That's all you got to do, easy. right? That's what I think he's got. You need someone to do that shit. Okay, fine. I can. I can pretend. Mm-hmm. I can. I can pretend fake outrage like like the best of them. But uh, oh, what else here? God damn! But but Mr. Wrestling too. I I, I know he do it. I, I, it was just maybe watching this at the time we were watching this, but watching this old white man who just looked to like a goober. I always thought, I know Mr. Wrestling 2 was good, but the big, it's the big white diaper with the white mask and he's <laughs> old. He's so old. He's got the flab. It looks like one of my uncles, you know, from at this time. You know, if he had an Italian accent, he'd look like my <laughs> Uncle Vince, you know, in a mask in his underwear. And by the way, my Uncle Vince was closeted gay his entire life. I'm sure he dressed up like this at some point or another, and none of us knew about it. Uh, <laughs> he, he definitely. Um, I mean, he's great and all, but he's he's trying to dance funky. And when he tries to dance funky, I'm like, oh, oh this is just... <laughs> yeah, the junkyard dog is standing right there and you're trying to be like yeah i'm the you know because i know that was part of his gimmick he was because the original mr wrestling yeah. was like i am a wrestler you know which makes sense but mr wrestling too was a dusty rosy type guy you know appropriate yeah, exactly appropriating yeah. black culture and, and with the junkyard dog out there i'm like Ugh. uh but the match is fucking great the referee looks like what's the actor he was he was in one flew over the cuckoo's nest and he didn't have, he didn't speak. He was also um, the, uh, the science teacher in fast times in Ridgemont high. And he was a ghost in ghost, you know, the tall lanky guy with the bald hair. Anyway, the referee looks just like him, but, and then Ted DiBiase, and this is on review Parv. I know you've gone bad shit nuts, but Ted DiBiase's slow delayed power slam is so fucking great. Isn't it? It's so cool, but yeah, I, I love loved every second of yeah. this. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I thought this was a total blast. Probably about three and a half stars, three and a quarter. Um, I like the big exchange, the start, JYD walking tall, DiBiase's just bumping huge for the baby faces. I love Bourne's bump off of Mr. Wrestling 2's knee lift. Uh, where he does that, like, Buddy Rose, Jerry Estrada bump through mm-hmm. the ropes. Uh, yeah. And the heels were just great at making the baby faces. Uh, just so, so fun, much fun, this match. I, and I'm, I'm, I, I love Mr. Wrestling, too, so you won't hear me slander the man. I know, I it was just, I don't know, no, <laughs> Pete, it was just at this time, I, I don't know, it was just something about watching a guy in a white hood appropriating black culture uh, that was just... <laughs> Just getting under my skin. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
It's just weird. I won't take that slander. No, no, I got your back. I, I love him too. Look, Mr. Wrestling too can split a sack of grain with one knee lift. I'm not knocking yeah. Mr. Wrestling too. Yeah, I love when wrestlers actually put <laughs> over that knee lift, and there's nothing more like born here and yeah. and Bobby Eden. Uh, I, when he wrestled them, I love that. Oh, that was great. They pop. They they pop mm-hmm. like they got hit with yeah with a frying pan. Like he like yeah. he had a frying pan on his knee, and they. Bam. And you know, in this match is Matt Bourne, who to me is I think one of the most fascinating figures in wrestling, because the guy like worked all over, always mm-hmm. had like had moments mm-hmm. of greatness everywhere he went, but would get fired, fired mm-hmm. everywhere. But that's I mean, just it. That, that must have been the yeah. hardest person in the history of wrestling to deal with. Well, or, that, yeah. he, he had to be the biggest fuck up. One, well, of, they, one of them. Well, no. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I've read about Matt Bourne. I've heard a lot of Matt Bourne stories and shoot interviews and such. And Matt Bourne was a guy who couldn't get out of his own fucking way, but he was a goddamn genius in the ring once he figured something out, what was going to work. And the thing is, what worked was doink. Because I remember when Doink debuted, and yeah, I thought, I was like, I, no, I was like, no, yeah. I was like, boo, no. But then I saw, like, wait, he's an evil clown? And, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? This is dark. And, like, this was really kind of, excuse me, dark. And then he gets in the ring, and I'm like, this guy's fucking good. Who is this? Because I didn't know it was Matt Bourne. You know, it, I had to read it somewhere. Just yeah. like, but now, now, Doink worked when Matt Bourne did the gimmick. Yes, when the other guys totally, did yeah. the gimmick, it, he sucked. Oh yeah, totally. And I don't even like it. it did <laughs> Matt Bourne? Did Matt Bourne ever play him as a babyface? Because I'm not was, sure. Just, just briefly, he did the turn, and then was literally fired. I think two weeks okay. later or something like that. Okay, they're like, the Bourne can't work as a babyface. Get Lombardi. I'm like, oh, okay, what? Dude. No, it was because he, he. No, it was Ray Apollo, and Ray it was because he. The last straw was him passing out, um, oh, backstage know, know. and being like almost dead, basically. Oh, yeah, I know, but but that was. But I remember also when he when he was Big Josh. I didn't know that was Matt Bourne either, and I remember thinking, "What the fuck is this gimmick? This W is." I used to watch – there was times during my wrestling sabbaticals where I would watch a little WCW because it was on Saturday night and put it on before I go out and how I was aware of certain guys. That's how I became a real big Cactus Jack fan. Uh, and, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy, the Lumberjack? I was like, this is fucking dumb. And I didn't know that was Matt Moore because I <laughs> he was a chameleon. But yeah, oh, yeah. Doink was this dude. Honestly, yeah. You know, you would never call him a major star in wrestling. He was so good, though. He but was so good. You could put a, but he had so many great moments. It's almost ridiculous. Okay, so Waldo, one more thing. Okay, in the middle of this JYD show, I just have one last Matt Bourne question. I don't remember any good Big Josh matches. I mean, oh, him and Arn Anderson did 30 minutes and on Saturday night. Oh, they did? Okay. Mm, oh, it was, okay. it was I'm good. Seen, uh, okay. Cool. Okay, good. I, I, I'd never seen anything. I'm thinking like, I'm like, did he go? This gimmick sucks so much that I'm so committed to the this art that I do of professional wrestling. Yeah, you, there, there wasn't many other great moments. He had a couple other moments, but yeah. I, the thing to hang his hat on is the 30 uh-huh. minute. It was like 35 minutes on WCW Saturday Night 
Like, him and Aaron. Maybe, maybe he was so committed as an actor to his role as a lumberjack that they just found and taught how to wrestle that he purposely had shitty matches. <laughs> Unless he was in the one with Arn, where Arn's like, "We're not gonna do that shit." They've known we've known each other forever. Let's fucking wrestle. <laughs> yeah, and they and they hate, supposedly hated each other. So oh, they oh that oh that's right. I heard Arn talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Heel Doink is one of my all time favorite. I loved it. You know, oh yeah, it was at a time. At the time, I, I yeah, it was it was perfect at the time. And I had two posters to, of wrestlers on my wall, uh, and I was sixteen, so yeah, I wasn't <laughs> uh, super cool or anything. But one was Bret Hart, and the other one was uh, Heel Doink the Clown Matt Bourne. So that shows you how much respect I had and how much love I had for that gimmick. Uh, I've always loved it. Yeah, I, m- I remember seeing Matt Bourne was. Uh, at an autograph signing here in Texas, dressed as Doink. It was really fucking depressing. <laughs> this is like maybe a year, year before he passed away. Oh, I can uh, picture right. that. Yeah, that, that's. Let's go back. Now, there to the you good go. Times. Hold on, real quick. Real quick, go. Hey, uh, Dark Side of the Ring season three. Matt Bourne. It's right there because you could do really a because re- you could do a recreation. Yeah. You could do a recreation in those shadows of. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, about to die, Matt Bourne at one of these fucking fan conventions, dressed like a, a, a doink you'd see at a high school gym in 1994. Just, uh, like, I mean, <laughs> if the only thing is Matt Bourne's not a big enough star, I think not to do one and to draw ratings. But I think the thing would be amazing. They, I mean, they need beating up Buddy Rose, Buddy Rose marrying his sister. Uh, Stories about his dad, him getting fired when him and Arn were supposed to win this tag straps. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's got so many, it's, many moments. Well, well, Dark Side of the Ring is the highest rated thing that's been on the Vice Channel ever. They're going to get a season three. They're going to need goddamn stories. So, you know, hey, social media people, uh, tell them try to, to fucking do Matt Warren. There's like... Yeah, the only thing is, I think they need to do a story in the '80s. You need like a hook, like the Von Erichs or Gino. Yeah, they're getting uh, material. Want to be tough? No, I think the clown, the clown thing. that's the hook right there. It's the the, the tragic clown, the tragic exactly story, the tragic clown, the Matt Bourne story. Kelly, you're a goddamn genius, and we need to pitch this (laughs) or do a two-parter with Bourne and Buzz Sawyer. They're connected, but hey, um, let's get to the main yeah. event here. Butch Reed versus JYD in a ghetto street fight Ugh. from uh, June twenty fourth, I believe it is, nineteen eighty four. Um, why don't you talk about it, Kelly? I uh, yeah, I think it's uh, June twenty second, nineteen eighty four. Second, yeah, okay, I don't have the dates in front of me. Yeah, um, so Houston. This was on the the on demand service. This one even has commentary with uh, Bruce Tharp and yeah. who was the color or the I have no idea. I, yeah, I, I, I don't, don't remember. Know that is. I, I did. Yeah. It, it, I did not. He care. didn't get to say much. <laughs> oh, of course not. Because yeah, Bruce Tharp pretty much Bruce, um, dominated. Yeah, well, because Bruce was putting over how you could look at the high quality of this footage that I'm <laughs> selling you. You can see every drop of sweat on the marble shaped muscles of the junkyard. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love Bruce. He did our show. I have nothing but love for Bruce. Yeah. Um this was this was a lot of fun. 
it was uh, it was pretty violent at times. But I mean, for me, Butch Reed wrestling a street fight in a, in a nice shirt and slacks the best. Are, are basically like. Well, the the play by play guy, yeah, play by play guy said two thirds of a leisure suit, and I guess that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's and, not. And he's able to keep the, the shirt tucked in. Yeah, the best for, part is he keeps making sure yeah. the shirt's tucked in. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best until the the very end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was like I was transfixed on that. Uh, but there's there's great stuff like JYD's beaten down, he's choked, he's pile driven on the floor, strangled with Reed's belt, and then um, we have the huge comeback by the dog, and he gets to do everything to Reed that Reed did to him with the belt, with the pile driver, and um, the finish though is a clusterfuck mess that I think um, <laughs> I'm gonna blame Sonny King. Like okay, first. The referees bumped and knocked out, and the Ernie Ladd again. <laughs> he just had it in for JYD for years. Ernie Ladd interferes and and puts um, Reed on top of JYD, and then Sonny King, who you know, all I know is that he had a tag team title run with Chief J Strongbow back in the early seventies, uh, WWF. But other than that, I haven't seen the guy wrestle. Oh, and, he's great. and here he's just interfering. I have I've yeah. seen him in a few times. But I think times, he was but... late coming in. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much footage. He was um he was pretty old by this point. So, uh, excuse so me. Excuse I think me. he was late coming in. Excuse me, Kelly. Sonny King. Yeah. Was, this was on the Memphis set. Uh, Sonny, Ricky Morton. Yes, Sonny King has a match, a studio match, Memphis studio match, with a young green, green, green Ricky Morton, and it's really good. But it's really good because it's Sonny King teaching a kid with a lot of potential how to go, and Ricky Morton holding up. It's it's really good. It's worth seeking out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. I, I saw that years ago. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's some of the, the only footage there is. The King is from Memphis at that time. Yeah. And, 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 and some so the, 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 okay. Yeah. So super confusing finish. Cause the ref counts three for Reed pinning dog, but then um, the dog gets his hand raised at the end, even though he doesn't, he tries to pin Butch Reed, but the referee won't count it and just raises Dog's hand. Um, even Tharp on commentary says it's totally confusing. <laughs> and yeah. Anyway, before that, it was it was really fun. It was really good, really good stuff. Yeah, you know, I would have liked the, even if Reed went over, I would have liked that finish. How they had that, I, I thought that was a good finish. And then they became confusing. <laughs> um, I didn't even notice it. I was just totally enthralled with this. I didn't even notice the finish. I bet you Jim Ross fucking knew what was going on if he was calling. <laughs> he probably could have figured out whatever the fuck they were doing. Maybe. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us what you thought, John? Okay, first of all, it's a ghetto street fight. Which is, let's face it, it's a little, it's racist. That's a racist thing. You know, the two black guys have a ghetto street fight. However, the two African-American gentlemen involved in this match, by the way, with all, basically all of the African-American gentlemen are involved in this match. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> all in one big angle together, which is progressive as fuck because it's on top, but it's also like all together. That's weird. Uh, but so the ghetto street fight thing is like, Ugh, yeah, that's, but here's what I love about it. And we saw Ernie Ladd do this too. Uh, when it came to the, the very racist ghetto street fight, Ernie Ladd and Butch Reed for a ghetto street fight show up dressed like bad motherfuckers in suits in defiance of what, 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 what are you supposed to look like if you're from the ghetto? Well, then this is what we wear in the ghetto. We wear nice fucking suits. So the leisure suit line was like, oh, you stink. You, you don't get what's going on here. So, forget you, pal. And so I loved it. First time I saw that when uh, uh, I think it was a tag with Butch Reed and Ernie Ladd versus Jim Dog and somebody. And I was like, that's the coolest thing. That's just, that, that's just, that's, that's the three guys putting their fists up to me at the Olympics. <laughs> like that's, you know, like that's what, here's what we think of your get. And JYD, he, what he wears to a ghetto street fight is jeans and cowboy boots because that's what they wear in the ghetto. But they only wear them over their wrestling gear because Junkyard Dog was wearing his red thump tights under the jeans. Yeah. And I was like, and you slowly saw, first I thought he was wearing red underwear. And then you start seeing, slowly seeing thump, thump. And he's like, look, everyone loves to see the thump. You got to see the thumb. Eventually, the people, <laughs> they're going to want to see it. So I have to wear it. Or the more likely thing is, I'm not wrestling in jeans. My fucking tights are comfortable. You know, and I'll just put jeans over the tights. So both of the choices of attire don't fit the stupid name. But the match was fucking awesome. <laughs> this is when you, when you really hear another one bites the dust. The... Uh, uh, here during this entrance and junkyard doll looks badass and uh the ch- the crowd is going nuts jyd jyd bruce is going on like we're gonna arrest all you motherfuckers if you don't stop rioting <laughs> wrong choice of words but then i saw at ringside a character i'd forgotten about pete from space city um officer Officer, bad motherfucker. I can't remember. We made up a name for him. Oh, yeah, I forget what it was. Yeah, yeah we, we had a name for him. But there's the African-American guy, who, uh, the cop at ringside, who it looks just like the coolest motherfucker from a 70s cop <laughs> show or a movie. He's an uh, officer, Julius motherfucker. Here, here's on the scene. Sunglasses, afro, just the coolest, coolest fucking dude. And... Uh, there's a pile driver on the floor, which was awesome. Uh, and uh, you, you got uh, Butch Reed all fired up in his fancy shirt. It just looks so cool. He's punching the junkyard dog, and he he looks like a he looks. He's like, I'm going to the disco after I kick your ass, dog. And, uh, fucking great. <laughs> and the thing about JYD was a headbutt guy, but I always appreciated JYD's safe headbutts. He knew how to headbutt safe. You know, and you say, oh, it looks so phony. Good. It's supposed to be. Just go with it. Don't really fucking do it, you dumb motherfuckers who do that. That's that's so dumb. Look, Watch how the junkyard dog did headbutts if you want to do fucking headbutts. Uh, then that ref bump is the best ref bump ever, and that's what I really remembered. As I remember us watching this. 
that ref bump is the most perfectly timed ref bump. And the ref selling of it puts Tommy Young to shame. There's a crisscross. The referee turns around. He gets hit and he goes, boom, goes flying. It's this match. There's so many reasons to go look up this match. uh, Everybody who's listening to this, but wait for this rest ref bump. When you do, it's probably the best one ever. And Ernie Ladd, was in there's a double punch thing. So I was like, Sonny King saves the day, and I didn't even notice the goddamn finish because I was just having a whole lot of fun watching this and thinking, I'm like, man, Kelly, on short notice, you put together one hell of a playlist for us to watch for Junkyard Dog. I loved everything you picked, man. Well, uh, to be fair, Pete picked. Oh, Pete, well, Pete the two. Okay, oh, both of you. I'll take credit for the first. One. Okay, that's just it. Pete, <laughs> Pete's a, Pete just like I gave you a birthday present too, you dumb motherfucker. But you just give Kelly all. Okay, fine. He provided Pete, the good matches. I provided the the okay at best matches. Okay, that's <laughs> well, I, you, well, I, I think that Jimmy Garvin match is way better than just okay. Yeah, okay. But yeah, but, it was good. And the Freebirds stuff was awesome it's to historical, see. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't a total. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, both of you. So basically, both of you gave me the present I wanted for my 50th birthday. And real quick, a lot of people have asked me recently. They're like, kind of suck turning 50, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and the world burning down and everything. And I'm like, I'm doing three podcasts with uh, three people who I fucking adore. Uh, this weekend, so I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need a party because I'm having one. Uh, and in my pants. Ooh, are are you having one in your pants? For my wait, hold on. You are because I you are not for you. I'm sorry, Pete. You're not my fucking type. Now, Kelly, when I come visit, oh Vancouver, God, no, uh, no, I don't live in Vancouver anymore. Oh, ooh, the farm. No one will see it. No one will see it except the pigs, Kelly. Just the pigs. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Bro- uh, Brokeback Farm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, okay. I think you've had enough, I think Mr. So. Sorrow. I, 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 have to, I have to work tomorrow. But yeah, I think you're... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're cutting you off. Okay. You're getting a little That's too good. crazy here. Getting a little rowdy. <laughs> I understand, I understand. See, back in the day, I would argue about that, but now I know. No, no, I need to listen to my friends and go to bed. Yeah, yeah well, I, I can tell you, I was a big fan of this match. I loved it. Uh, probably three and three fourths, four stars. Ghetto street fight. Super hot crowd. Even Tharp and this buddy are like, this is what we talk about by a standing room crowd because the crowd is all on its feet. JYD just uh, is all over Reed the beginning. Crowd's 100% behind JYD. Everything I loved about this, Reed keep my tucking his shirt in. JYD's comeback is just epic. Uh, I thought, you know, Reed's heat segment was okay. It could have been better. But I think it was just the dog. This isn't isn't great, great at taking a heat segment. Uh, and so I thought it was, it was drawn out a little bit. But by God, that comeback was freaking awesome. And and even, even post-match, mm-hmm. the crowd gets their big thump uh, with JYD after the match. Uh, does the big yeah. thump so happy crowd super high 
super hot crowd for that match. Um, can't put it over enough. Uh, Junkyard Dog can't do the thump unless he's wearing his tights that say thump. That's just that's the, exactly right. That might be why. Yep. It's like Cinderella's shoe. Look, man, he's on like, that note. Look, Bill, I only thump wearing my thumb tights. Sorry, that that's the way it goes. So on that note, Kelly, anything you want to uh, anything you want to like to mention? Plug. Um, uh, I uh, we plugged shows on the regular uh, Worldcast earlier this week. I mean, uh, you know, keep uh, keep listening to everything on Plum, as it's now known officially. Um, it just rolls off the tongue. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, I, I recorded a show with Travis last night. We talked about Todd McFarlane, uh, his run on Spider Man, specifically the 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 one that he uh, did the writing and the art for the just the adjectiveless Spider-Man Ugh. and we had a blast doing that that's uh, yours mine and the truth so check that out that'll be out around the same time as this show and yeah keep on listening to the plum man all right Johnny birthday uh, boy uh, first of all Kelly I cannot wait to listen to that show I am looking forward yeah. to that tomorrow night because my roommates. It is one of the funniest things. They they just forgotten it was my 50th birthday, and they would planned uh, my family really to go on a camping trip. But they're coming back on Sunday, and we're having a great uh, a barbecue. But I'm basically I'm like, wait, I get the house to myself to just podcast and hang out with the dogs. I'm like, dude, happy birthday to me! On running around in his under his man underwear. Uh, no, 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 I don't do that upstairs in front of the animals. Like, like a mm. goddamn savage. Thank God. Well, animals, thank you. No, no, no. I mean, I, I don't, my pajamas, sure. There'll be a lot of like pajamas, but no, no, no none of that. That's, yeah, that's like, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. I have, I have some couth, but um, <laughs> I can't. So I but really, I can't wait to, to, boy, that Todd McFarlane, when he wrote, wrote it, was, is it, you know what? I can't wait to listen to you guys talk about it because it's bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of that Travis, was the conclusion we came to. I go, well, I can't wait. To, I know it's going to be. You guys are going to be uh, tearing that apart. I can't wait to hear you guys tear that apart. Um, and speaking of Travis, uh, Gideon guys, our uh, podcast where we break down DC's Legends of Tomorrow. We're in uh, season one still, and we are about to record on Sunday uh, an episode about season one. Episode 10, Progeny, which is terrible. It's awful. There's a few good things in it, but it's really, really bad. So the show's going to be really, really good. And it's just so weird because I just watched the season finale of this season of Legends Tomorrow, and it's one of the the greatest things I've ever seen on TV. I loved it. It made me cry. And I watched it the same day I watched this episode and was like, this is wild what how this show started and what it is now so tune in to Gideon guys on the Plum network well on that note everyone have a great week johnny have a great birthday my friend thank you i want to thank you guys both again thank you so much for doing this this is the best birthday present i can have awesome yeah everyone happy birthday brother thank you laters Hey, all right, how about that? 50 years, my buddy, Sully, you made it, pal. That's great. That's great. I mean, I know how long we've been together, how long we've been doing the beat. A while now. And to see you hit this this milestone, that's a, 
That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I had a card that I was passing around with the boys to sign the other night at the garden when we were working the card. And it looks like it got lost, as you can imagine, because there's so many of those those guys there. It's just it's too many, too many cops. Anyways, uh, we'll try to track that down. It was a nice card. It was a nice card. It had that, uh, that, that Heathcliff, that guy having some trouble with the birds. <laughs> um, speaking of birds, uh, yeah, Lavoine and I are going to join you to go out and paint the town later. Um, I just have to. She's got a very specific dinner. I have to cook. I have to be home at a certain time and make sure that everything is to her specifications. You know how she is. And so after that, we're gonna. she says we're going to try something that they call uh, pegging, um, which is, I guess, a form of cribbage or something. So after we're done with that, uh, we are for sure to meet you and your lovely girl, uh, Cheryl, at the uh, at the Golden Corral for uh, for us to, to to really celebrate in style. So happy five zero, big guy. We'll see you at the we'll see you at the next. Uh, we yeah, we'll see you soon. I hope. Um. Okay. Goodbye. My favorite Johnny Sorrow moment it has to be one time. We were doing a review of a WWE pay-per-view for a podcast. It was a really horrible pay-per-view. They had so many horrible pay-per-views that I, I don't remember which one specifically. And Johnny was the only one who defended it. Yeah, I think that's my favorite Johnny Sorrow moment. That time that he defended a really horrible WWE pay-per-view. But honestly, my favorite moment with Johnny Sorrow was when I took my family on a trip through the Great Plains. We stopped in Colorado. Johnny made spaghetti and we sat and watched 1980s Lucha while eating spaghetti. He was a great host and he's a great friend. Happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday, Johnny. Now, some people might think turning 15 makes you old, but let's consider a few things. Hulk Hogan headlined the Tokyo Dome against Masatrono after he turned 50 in 2003. Ric Flair turned 50 in 1999, after which he won his 15th and 16th world titles. Bruno Sammartino turned 50 in 1985 and had a glorious feud with Randy Savage. Dory Funk Jr. turned 50 in 1991 and randomly teamed up with Al Perez for a tag tournament in all Japan. Terry Funk, meanwhile, turned 50 in 1994 and had an exploding ring time bomb death match with Mick Foley. Chief Jay Strongbow turned 50 in 1978 and went to a time limit draw with Baron Mikel Sukluna at a house show in New Jersey. And finally, Mr. Fuji turned 50 in 1984 and lost to B. Brian Blair via DQ at the Wimico Youth and Civic Centre in Salisbury, Maryland. Hope you have a good one, mate. I don't know, this may be the first time I've ever been to Oregon. It didn't rain, now it's too damn hot.